On this week's Big Tech Show, when will cars safely drive themselves on our streets? And who in Ireland is providing the technology to help them do that? We talk to one of the country's biggest automotive autonomy entrepreneurs. I have BMW Drive Assist in my own vehicle and it is much, much safer because we are all prone to distraction, especially when we're on the motorway from Limerick to Dublin, for example. We've all been there where you actually forgot a whole section of the road. So I would say if you take it from a safety perspective and it does allow you to kind of relax. The Big Tech Show, available on all podcast platforms. On the latest episode of Real Health with me, Carl Henry, I'm delighted to be joined by international best-selling author Heman Sunim, telling us what to do when things don't go your way. When we are, you know, very young and have a first love and the first love did not work out, we feel as though this is the end of the world. However, we learn that is not the case. We move on. We find some other people. We begin to see that uh, when things don't go your way, uh, maybe it's not the end. As ever, we're available on all podcast platforms. Come October 22nd, we're going to party like it's 2019, right? Wrong. But I mean, we have to wait for further presentation uh, from uh, NEFA, but, you know, no decisions have been made or anything like that. Well, what a journey we've been on. And this week, with rising numbers in COVID cases, hospitalizations and ICU admissions, it can feel like we're stuck on one endless hamster wheel where the pandemic is concerned. But that doesn't for one second detract from the seriousness of the situation. People are still falling terribly ill and we are losing lives to COVID-19 every day. So with talk of delaying restrictions, we in the Indo-Daily want to find out what is happening with COVID. Is it here to stay? And are we okay with restrictions staying in place for another while? I'm Siobhan Maguire and joining me today are Professor Kingston Mills, Professor of Experimental Immunology at Trinity, and Dr. Catherine Motherway, an intensive care consultant at University Hospital Limerick. Professor Kingston Mills, Professor of Experimental Immunology at Trinity. What's happening with COVID right now? It's hard to understand why the case numbers in Ireland are so high. We have one of the highest vaccination rates in Europe, in, if not in the world, um, you know, close to 90% of over 12 population now vaccinated. I think there are a number of possible explanations for why we're doing probably the second worst in Europe after the UK. Um, and one of them is related to the UK, in fact, um, that uh, we it's our closest neighbour and they haven't done a particularly good job in terms of containing the pandemic and their case numbers have been out of control for the last few months. So we're having a spillover effect of that. That's one thing. The second thing, which ironically may be again due to our success in roving out the vaccines, we did it very quickly and very effectively. But the problem is now we're seeing there's a significant number of people who are getting infected who have been fully vaccinated. That's not to say the vaccine is not working, because if you look at the statistics from those in ICU, 70% of the people in ICU have not been vaccinated and only 10% of the population have not been vaccinated. So that's telling us that vaccines stop people getting very severe disease and they're very effective at doing that. But there are still these vaccine breakthroughs and that may be reflecting waning immunity. So it might point to the need for booster vaccinations in a larger cohort of the population that we're currently doing it in. 
booster vaccines are being rolled out, aren't they? Yes, booster vaccines are being given to people over 80, um, people in long-term care facilities over 65, and to people with underlying medical conditions. And that's you know, a prudent policy to start with that group. But I think we need to look at extending it into other groups, in particular people who've had either the AstraZeneca or the Johnson & Johnson vaccine. We know from studies published in the States and across Europe that the antibody responses, these are the, the, the molecules that prevent the infection, are weaker with these vaccines compared with the mRNA vaccines. We also know that boosting with mRNA vaccines in people who've had um, uh, either the Johnson & Johnson or the um, AstraZeneca vaccine boosts response very effectively. So there's a very strong case to be made now for boosting people who've had those two vaccines with um, an mRNA vaccine, either the Moderna or the Pfizer vaccine. And the safety data is looking good in, in that there's no increase in safety signals in people that get the what we call heterologous vaccination. And NIAC, in fact, have already approved heterologous vaccination. So it's now a matter of them approving vaccines for the older group and also some of the healthcare workers who were vaccinated very early um, um, and a considerable number of those with the AstraZeneca vaccine. They're probably now at a level where their immunity has waned sufficiently that they need to be boosted. Leaving your home with, with COVID-like or flu-like symptoms has to become socially unacceptable in the way that drink driving has become socially unacceptable. We had Professor Philip Nolan from Nephis say that uh, leaving home with COVID symptoms is socially unacceptable um, and, and, you know, is said that we should be regarding it in the same way we regard drink driving as a big no-no. It is, it is dangerous now. For, for one for people to mix where one of them has any kind of symptom. Would you agree with this? I mean, yeah, I mean, Jurgen Klopp came out with some similar statements about, you know, and the, and the football in England has been extraordinary. I mean, 50% of vaccine uptake in half of the, the premiership clubs. It's hard to understand it. I don't take the vaccination only to protect me. I, I take the vaccination to protect all the people around me. And I don't understand where that is a, a, a limitation of freedom. Because if it is, if it is, then not being allowed to drink and drive is a limitation of freedom. Yeah, well. I mean, you know, the, the problem is that 90% that, that of the population is vaccinated and 10% and are not. And it's now about keeping that 10% safe. And, you know, there's various ways of doing that. You can encourage them to vaccinate or you can facilitate activity for those that are vaccinated and and not facilitate that activity for those that are not vaccinated. And, and that's a very strong argument for extending the use of the COVID certificate beyond the 22nd of October, because there's some talk that that's, that might be stopped for, for, for um, uh, you know, going to restaurants and pubs. I think it should be maintained, not only that, I think it should be extended and things like nightclubs, um, music events, all sporting events, even some work situations or education situations like universities and, and third level institutes in general should be using COVID certs as a means of entry into lectures. I mean, we're looking at moving from from, you know, social distance lectures in universities to ones where we have packed lecture theatres. And if you have 10% of the population that are not vaccinated in those lecture theatres, inevitably you're going to have a significant number of cases. So I think there's a very strong argument to be made for using COVID certs to enable activity 
that couldn't otherwise be done safely. And those those certs could be not just for people who are vaccinated, but also for people who have recovered from infection. And and the third thing that could be done is to to really get serious about antigen testing and to use it um, as an alternative to um, vaccination or recovery from infection as a means of ensuring that somebody is safe to participate in an activity that they otherwise wouldn't be able to do. And so where where do we go from here? I mean, is it is it um, a case of NIAC looking less to what uh, the UK is doing and, and more to our European neighbours, the likes of, of Denmark and Finland, even France and Germany, and, and try and... and emulate or mimic um, exactly what they're rolling out in terms of booster vaccines? Yeah, um, a lot of countries and, and the US, I would add to that, um, the US uh, are already, um, they've already boosted, I think, something like 10 million people. And the, the FDA yesterday in the US approved the Moderna vaccine for, for boosters. And today the, the, they're meeting to consider extending the booster campaign to younger age groups. And it's anticipated they will do that. And and that's done, you know, with in the US, they're only using now the Moderna and the Pfizer. They have the Johnson Johnson vaccine but they're now considering boosting people that they got Johnson Johnson with the Moderna or, or, or Pfizer. So, and other countries in Europe are doing this as well. The, the UK have been very slow to implement um, boosters and they have been slow at doing a lot of things in terms of um, containing the pandemic. And, you know, they're, they're an outlier really in Europe and we should not be copying what the UK are doing, in my view. I think we must be looking to what countries like Germany and Denmark and, and Finland who've done a very good job in containing the pandemic and the way that they've introduced booster campaigns they have they very early introduced heterologous vaccination in countries like Germany and Austria and um, you know we need to follow suit with those countries and introduce heterologous vaccination which is, has been approved has to be said here but it hasn't been implemented in the populations that I believe now need to have it just what is planned for October 22nd Well, let's pretend that the rules are still in place as initially proposed. That means requirements for social distancing in most indoor settings, such as pubs and restaurants, as well as at outdoor events, such as matches and concerts, will be lifted. The requirement to wear masks outdoors and in indoor private settings will be removed, but masks will remain essential on public transport, in healthcare settings and for indoor retail. Any capacity restrictions on masses, weddings, funerals and all other religious and civil ceremonies will be removed. There will be no limits on the number of people that can meet in private homes and gardens and the requirement to show a certificate of vaccination for access to any events or public settings is set to be removed. Well, amid rising concerns about the increasing spread of COVID-19, we took to the streets to find out what you make of restrictions being delayed. I personally wouldn't have a problem if uh, things were slightly delayed on the basis that I think that the government have done a good job so far uh, and following guidelines and if you have to wait for another couple of weeks for things to be more relaxed then I personally wouldn't have a problem where we've come this far. Probably wouldn't be the best because like we need to open up the country like we're, the whole reason we're getting vaccinated is so that we can get there eventually and I think going back to where we were before is just not the way to go I think we just need to get it done. I feel like that's knowing that we're going to be opening on the 22nd is keeping a lot of people going and that's what they're looking forward to so I feel like if it was to be not going ahead like I think it would just be a letdown for a lot of people. 
it has it should be based on uh, cases rather than dates like that's it should be based on public health advice rather than just saying this is the date and we're going to open up no matter what um well i i don't think they should open if there is over like 2000 cases a day so i wouldn't really mind there's no point opening just to close again at christmas Dr. Catherine Motherway, you're an intensive care consultant at University Hospital in Limerick. Now, you've just heard our Vox Pop um, and quite a few people very happy for restrictions to stay in place. Does this surprise you? Uh, somewhat. Yeah, I, I mean, pleasantly in, in some way, because I think they reflect perhaps my own sense of the need to proceed with caution. I mean, I think everybody seemed to suggest, look, we've come this far, let's get it right. And um, I, I, I was, I, I'm, I'm delighted really that people are willing to put up with the restrictions that we put up with and, and you know, to basically wait and see how things pan out, particularly because it's the beginning of winter. And we know that last year we had a significant surge in winter with the arrival of, um, you know, a different variant of the virus. So now that we're living through Delta and this will be our first winter with Delta, it's 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 really good to know that people actually understand the need to continue to be careful. Um, so hopefully when Neffet and the government get together and talk about what they're going to do, they will, um, people will support them if they decide to, you know, to continue to have some restrictions on our freedom. We've put up with a lot over the last two years. Um, things have gotten better, a lot better now that we're vaccinated. But it, it's good to know that people understand the need to continue to be careful. We are seeing a steady rise in hospital admissions and we're seeing that locally as well as nationally. So as the numbers go up, the hospital admissions always take a little bit longer to rise, as do the ICU admissions. So it always takes two or three weeks for the the numbers in hospital to rise after general numbers in the community go up. Now, obviously, now that we're uh, an almost, but not quite fully vaccinated population. Um, it does, you know, give us considerably more protection than we had this time last year. But I could sympathise with people being anxious about restrictions totally leaving, given that we're going into the winter and that we'll be in enclosed spaces a bit more because it's more difficult to socialise outside when it's freezing cold and raining. So, I would be of the view myself that I would like things like the COVID pass to remain in status, that people inside would give proof of vaccination and that a certain degree of social distancing would remain because we now know with Delta that even though those of us that are vaccinated are pretty well protected against serious illness disease, we know that we can now get it. We didn't think initially, we hoped we wouldn't. We can get it and we can spread it. So even if we're vaccinated, we could be asymptomatic and spread it. So I think it is wise for us to remain careful, to be careful in crowded places, to continue to wear masks and to continue to do the, the, the things that we've been doing and that's been part of our life for the last two years. So I would sympathise with a, a view that would like us to keep that sort of restrictions in place and to minimise crowded and, and going into crowded places for another few months until we see what pans out. Maybe the guard has dropped a bit across society, understandably, because we've opened up significantly. There's a need now for all of us to knuckle down. Do you f- believe we've become a, a bit complacent um, just in terms of our attitude to the pandemic? Because a COVID hasn't gone away at all and it is here to stay, isn't it? It is, unfortunately. It will become endemic, as they say, as opposed to pandemic. Um, 
So I don't, I don't think COVID's going to go away for an awful long time. And I don't know if the word is complacent. Is Maybe we've become less afraid. And, I, and some of that less fear is good because it's because we've been vaccinated. But what you need, obviously, as the vaccines roll out, as populations get vaccinated, we learn more about the vaccines. We still know that they're very safe. We still know that they protect hugely. We thought, and originally they thought, particularly if you remember in, in America, the CDC told people who were vaccinated they didn't have to wear masks. But that stopped again. So they still, um, you know, because we now realise, even though they protect us very well against serious illness and disease, unfortunately, we can still be asymptomatic spreaders of the disease. And people, I think, who are vaccinated, um, you know, initially went to Wahoo, and I went to Wahoo myself. I went, this is great, I'm vaccinated, thanks be to God. I won't bring this home to my husband, um, you know, which was obviously a, a big worry for healthcare staff. Some of us might have worried for ourselves, obviously, but we also worried particularly for our families. And um, so the vaccine gave us a great sense of comfort. And and you and initially there was a huge amount of fear. And, you know, there is less fear now. And some of that less fear is very much justified. But still, I think that a degree of caution is necessary. And some of that caution is perhaps um, lost at the moment because people are out, they're socialising more, they're getting together more, obviously they're having you know, they, and, and it is very difficult if you're at a family do to do the social distancing or if you're, you know, somewhere that you, you know, where you're maybe having alcohol. That's the, you know, the social distancing element of it goes away. So I think it is good for the moment for us to remain um, at alert, but to continue to try and enjoy some degree of life. Because as it is, we can go out, we can eat out, um, ideally outside if you can, but inside if uh, the establishment is, is well run, should be also safe in terms of um, social distancing and staff wearing masks. And that's been my experience. And particularly if they are very conscientious about checking your credentials as you go in the door, which most places are. And the ones that aren't, I don't return to, basically. But also your experience is what you're seeing on the ground in in the ICU. And when you mention uh, younger people there, I mean, they're making up a large number of um, of those being hospitalised and, and treated. Isn't that right? Um, a, in terms of the ICU figures, and I, and I can't give you the hospital figures because I wouldn't have those, but in the ICUs, in the first wave, the um, what we call the median age, and median is a figure. It means that half the patients are above that age and half the patients are below that age. So the median age was in the um, early 60s, 61, 62. So half our patients were over 60, half of them were under 60. In the latest wave, um, the median age has come down to 54. So it's dropped by about 10 years. So we have quite a number um, of younger patients. Half of our admissions have been under the age of 50, which I consider to be very young. And um, we've had, you know, a significant number of people in their 40s and 30s with this disease admitted to the ICU. Now, the numbers totally in this surge are less, obviously, than the January surge, thankfully, if we're, if we're to call this surge a surge. But obviously, there's been a lot of admissions. So the, the numbers are less, but they're still significant. And we are seeing some quite sick younger patients in our ICUs at the moment. And in the main, those patients about two-thirds of our ICU admissions um, in this current um, block of patients that we've treated are unvaccinated, which is a pity because particularly in younger patients, vaccination 
he's, he's a very, 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 very big protection. For those people who are older and have problems with their immune system, they're going to require, as as we know, some booster vaccinations which are ongoing at the moment. And just on a final note, what is your own gut telling you um, as we get closer to October 22nd? Can you see restrictions staying in place? Some, yes. I, I, I think some will stay in place. Um, I, I think they'll have to choose carefully because obviously, you know, the public people of Ireland have really, in fairness, in the main, been very, 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 very good at putting up with the restrictions on our personal freedoms that have occurred over the last two years for the benefit of each other. And it has been a truly, you know, it's been truly good, but we're all tired. We all want to forget this ever happened, actually. <laughs> there are certain elements of the pandemic that were nice. The no traffic was lovely when you did have to travel, but then most people couldn't. So we're all very tired. But I think we all, I think, know somebody who has been very sick or lost their life to COVID. Um, we kind of have a fair idea now how to prevent it. And it is, uh, relatively speaking, now a preventable, serious illness with vaccination in the vast majority of people. We can all play our part to prevent that by continuing to adopt the basic measures that we've all become so familiar with over the past two years. So let's continue to wash our hands regularly. Let's ensure that we don't meet up with other people and socialise if we've got symptoms. Let's work from home where possible over this autumn and winter. Obviously, if you comply with your public health guidance and you can and you get vaccinated, we will be able to drive down the incidence of the disease until as a population, we, our, our immune system gets used to it and it becomes a less severe threat to public health and a less severe threat to our public health infrastructure, which at the moment it is a significant threat to us managing to treat other patients who are sick and need resources. I mean, in the ICU, the patients with COVID stay twice as long as non-COVID patients because of their disease, which means that that bed is not available for someone who doesn't have COVID and we have a limited supply of resources. So I think people have been very good. I think that they will have to walk a line between giving, you know, I don't think they will lock us down any further than they were. Um, They may, you know, look at some venues and say maybe very large venues can take larger numbers in terms of, you know, saying that you can have 50 in a place the size of Crow Park for the sake of argument, if it was in a building. Um, You might obviously choose to say that they can have a certain number based on space. I'm not sure what they're going to do. But um, I I think everybody's getting slightly worried about the uptick in numbers. And um, I think there will, some restrictions will remain. I don't think they'll all go. And I don't think there'll be this Freedom Day that happened in the United Kingdom where everything will be left up to personal choice. I think there'll still be some, particularly mask wearing in public areas, mask wearing in hospitals. I think mask wearing should stay in indoor dining areas. And I think um, the vaccine mandate to get into spaces like that should remain. Now, that's a personal view. I've no idea what they're going to do. But I think they'll keep some of that because most people, I think, are happy enough with it. That was Dr. Catherine Motherway, an intensive care consultant at University Hospital Limerick. And my thanks to Professor Kingston Mills, Professor of Experimental Immunology at Trinity. Today's Indo-Daily was presented and produced by me, Siobhan McGuire, research by Tabitha Monaghan and sound design by John Smith. 
Archive clips thanks to independent.ie, RTE, Virgin Media News and Sky News. You can listen to the Indo Daily wherever you get your podcasts or on independent.ie. And the Indo Daily is available five days a week.